I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Character Unlock, the third episode of our video game-centric podcast, where this week we're going to be spending some time talking about some new releases, some uh, some Gears of War, some Battlefield, a little No Man's Sky, which none of us have played yet, which you know, I'm quite excited about, uh, looking at a lot of news, and maybe talk a little horror games towards the end. As always, I am joined by my good buddy John. Hello, mate. Hello. You right? Yeah, not bad. And our first guest on the show, it only took us three episodes, which ain't bad, is another good friend of mine, a man I've podcasted with a lot in the past, is Mr. Tony Black. How are you, buddy? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, I'm uh, deeply honoured to be your first guest. I almost feel like I don't deserve it, so uh, thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be honoured. It's terrible. (laughs) It's us. It's not that good. (laughs) Well, I beg to differ, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> oh, but thanks for coming on, mate. It's gonna be, uh, I'm really quite looking forward to, to chatting video games with you for a little while. Yeah, I know. And uh, it's it's a good time, really, because I've just got, I'm just getting back into gaming properly because I've just bought a PS4 uh, after a whole year of not, which is weird because I've had the occasional thought going, I should buy a PS4, I should get back into this, I need to play Assassin's Creed, etc. So yeah, I've finally done it now. So finding your podcast and doing that is just perfect. Destiny, nice. Which I also it might is, buy. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you you enjoying terrible. your nice shiny new, enjoying your nice shiny new PS4. I am. I am. It is. It is good. And I have successfully convinced the missus that we don't need Blu-ray players anymore, and we can channel everything we do through it. And it's taken a little bit of doing, but she's fine. I've, I've, I've uploaded everything: Amazon, Netflix, Now TV, the lot. Right. So I've, she's got no excuse. As to having nice. the PSV poor on all the time. <laughs> that, that's not bad going. I have to admit, I used a, a similar tactic to convince my missus to let me buy the Xbox One. Yeah. Like, I can use it for everything, not just for games, sweetheart. I can, we, we, you know, we can do Netflix and Amazon, and it does everything. Watch this. Six, and you yeah. know, obviously, to show her, I had to buy it. <laughs> See, I genuinely think that Sony and all these and Microsoft and all these guys realised that more men will spend money on this if they can convince their girlfriends that it has a multi-purpose use. That it's not just Absolutely. silly video games. They can watch Gilmore Girls. Perfect. And that's, that sounds awfully stereotypical, but, but that is what my missus is watching relentlessly right now. So I'm allowed to say that. Um, but hang on, there's nothing wrong with Gilmore Girls. All no. of the female... <laughs> no, but let me get them all back. Because you're absolutely right, John. There is nothing wrong with Gilmore Girls, and I do enjoy it. it so, yeah, it's um, it's been a revelation in many ways. In many ways. So, uh, moving swiftly on, before we offend too many people too early. We've done women. Now <laughs> we've just got different ethnicities to go. So, you know, let's let's get on with it. I know. So, so let's start with Mexicans. <laughs> and, 
So we actually have proper news this week. This is really cool. It's like the first first week that we've, or first recording that we've done where we've had actual news to talk about. And the last couple of weeks have been insane for news. So we'll start off with Rockstar have finally, as much as we all knew it was coming, they finally announced Red Dead Redemption 2 with a tiny little, it sh- showed absolutely nothing kind of trailer uh, telling us it's going to be out this time next year. Did you guys uh, manage to have a look at the trailer? There was a trailer? There was a trailer. Oh, wow. I just <laughs> knew that they had that one red logo and I just thought, well, I can't be asked with this. This is clearly going to be really drawn out forever. So nope. there was a trick the the they done the the super so well the social media thing actually I would say that wasn't stupid at all that was insane well, I haven't, I, I haven't it was seen Twitter go that for quite some time yeah you know, Twitter just it just imploded on itself the second those images appeared it's their uh, it's their Force Awakens moment isn't it it's it, it's dropping that trailer um, yeah you know not giving you much but showing you just these amazing like vistas and just incredible graphics and you just sitting there and going oh my god i need this now <laughs> absolutely you know, you know it's one of those things as well because you you can you see it a lot with video games like this this trailer came out on thursday and friday red dead redemption one is back up at the top of yeah. the xbox 360 sales charts so everyone's gone <gasps> must play it again and it takes a fucking year to play red dead redemption one so you need that <laughs> you know it comes out for 2017 so if i started now i might actually have it finished in time mm. you know it's probably the second time it's been up on number one on 360 sales charts in the space of you know six months because it went backwards compatible not that long ago was it, well, was it the day it went backwards compatible it went up to number one didn't it yep and and me, people were calling me fucking stupid for buying it a year ago when it was on sale for like four quid. That's because it went free also at some point previously. <laughs> I don't think it's been free yet, has it? Pretty sure it was definitely it was a game with gold probably maybe a long time ago, but I know I've got it because of that fact. Because oh, I did have a disc version of it, then traded it in, and then somehow managed to download the digital version without really knowing it was there. Nice. I did go to buy Undead Nightmare the other day, just in case, to realise I already own it and didn't realise that. <laughs> so, at, at some point, I'll be installing both of those. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably buy it again if I can, if I can get it and and try and play it again because it was it was brilliant. That was such a, an amazing game. I loved it to bits. It was. It, it went in a good direction for me as well. I really I haven't liked Rockstar's last couple of GTA games. They've not really they've not done much for me. But Red Dead Redemption, considering it's you know easily a thirty hour game, I I think I've played through that thing three or four times. You know and enjoyed it every time. I'm quite looking forward to to a second one. Uh, I don't think I played it that much. I think I gave the story one go through and then loaded about maybe a hundred thousand hours into the multiplayer. Nah, Red Dead multiplayer didn't interest me. I, it was lacking one key feature, which I'm, which is actually probably a good thing they didn't bother putting it in there, and that's the fact that you can't lasso people and ride off into the sunset with them dragging behind you. <clears throat> yeah, that you'd just get trolled constantly. Yeah, you'd, that, you'd, you'd yeah. be attack. You would be going for miles. So do you guys reckon uh, day one buy when it comes out? Time yeah. off of work to play it? Yeah. Well, no, well, no I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no? Maybe day one buy. Maybe a uh, push. Day one play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't, the, I, won't, uh, I won't get any work. I'll, I won't be able to get off work. Um, I, I'd be surprised. But uh, but yeah, as soon as I get back from work, definitely. Yeah. Sweetheart, I've got to turn the Gilmore Girls off. Yeah. I've got cowboy stuff to do. You joke. <laughs> you do joke, but... 
<laughs> Given how many seasons there are, she'll probably be still be watching it in a year's time. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Be you see, the, the, I, already, you've, you already, you've, you've both found a flaw in getting guests on your show because we probably talked more about the Gilmore Girls in the first ten minutes than than, <laughs> than you guys would have done. This, this is well, the flaw. Derailed straight away. Yeah, <laughs> definite issue right there. Yeah. Although Gilmore Girls versus Red Dead Redemption Two, I mean, you're only getting gamers interested in Red Dead Redemption Two. Everyone loves Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Maybe we should just do a podcast about Gilmore Girls. I, I, I tell you, what, I'll let you two sit and talk to Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I'm gonna go get some kit. <laughs> <laughs> so moving swiftly on from both Red Dead and the Gilmore Girls, Nintendo announced the name. I suppose, with a little trailer and some info of what was called the, the NX is now the Nintendo Switch. Have you, uh, have you guys had a look at this thing? Yeah, uh, I watched the trailer, I watched the announcement, and it actually garnered a bit of interest from the people I work with because there was a big post about it on our little intranet that we've got. Just because of the technology that's involved, it looks like it's going to be... A rather interesting piece of kit. Obvious flaws aside, I won't mention them just now, but it could be a, a game changer in both console and handheld markets at the same time. So let's let's talk about this machine for a little bit. So what it is, it's a it's a little it's a, like a stand-up console, isn't it? Yeah. With your little joypad on it that connects into your TV, and you play your games and you know whatever you're playing. The the Mario game that that kept appearing on the screen, absolutely unannounced Mario game that isn't definitely coming for this fucking machine and when you want to move along and you're, or you want to go to work or whatever you your joypad comes apart and slots into bits on the console at which point you lift it out and now it's a giant vita <laughs> maybe so not a giant vita <laughs> so it's basically it's basically the now the wii u tablet controller but it's actually good well actual display technology instead of like a, well, a casual LCD screen. Because this was always a rumoured thing for the NX, wasn't it? It was always The rumour was always a hybrid console slash portable thing. <coughs> but when you look at it, or when you watch that announcement, it does so much more than just those two things, which really interested me. I, I don't know about you guys, but the, the fact that I can, when it's in, I don't know what they're going to call it, portable mode, when it's not connected to my TV, you can pull the controllers off of it and each half of a controller can be given to a different person. And you can do multiplayer stuff on the tiny little portable screen, which looks amazing. Yeah. It almost feels like um like 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 some sort of like an iPad with that you you know you know Sky Go and those kind of things where you can watch <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> satellite TV or whatever. Feels like that for a game. Yeah, you can have the multiplayer with the controllers, but it re- and then you can link it to the TV and you can Yeah, it re- it feels like a mix of a handheld and something like that, where you where you'd watch TV, it's it's it could be brilliant. Actually, it could be a really good. I think it'll. I think it could do really well. It seems to have a lot of tech that that the DSs have got in it as well. So if you've got a mate with one of these things, you can in portable whatever you can pair it up. So it's now it's two machines on two screens, and now actually you can have four way multiplayer because each person can have one of their little. They look like little mini NES controllers. They look like really apart. small original Wii controllers. With thumbsticks yeah. on them, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so now you can have four people playing multiplayer. So that I mean, the thing on the on the advert was was it basketball? It was an NBA game? Yeah, that was basketball. Which you know, I mean, that that starts off a whole new conversation about the the list of developers. It looks like are going to be working on this thing. But actually, the I mean, the tech itself looks outstanding. Like I I really 
assuming it's not sold to me purely on Mario and Pokemon, <laughs> I, I would be tempted to pick one of these things up. The important thing to note is that there is going to be an, a what what did they, it was the Pro Controller I think that they called it on the yeah on the Wii. There, there's one of those that's going to be coming that you can get. So you're not limited to having the, the two joy pads as they are connected together and probably incredibly uncomfortable because you're essentially holding a giant game case. But you can have an actual controller, which big thing in the gaming world, really. Well, yeah, and I mean, the Pro Controller's been a thing since the Wii, hasn't it? So, yeah. And they've always, you know, Nintendo, for all their faults, have always known that people want this Pro Controller and, and want to be able to use it. Because even with the Wii, not every game had the, the need for a waggleable controller. It, it just wasn't necessary. And with the Wii U, even worse, because it was, it was literally like working on a dinner tray with a thumbstick, <laughs> which was fucking ghastly. Well... But, that had a gyroscope in it. I think that was its only purpose was the fact that that thing had a gyroscope in it. And I'm pretty sure it was only used in one actual game. I think Splatoon was the one that used used it. Okay. I've never played on a Wii U properly. I really kind of want one still to have a play on things like Splatoon. But I just, I, I'm really dead against spending that amount of money for maybe half an hour of a Splatooning. Especially when Splatoon is for babies. Well, it is for babies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I quite like the look of this new this new Nintendo. As long as the price point is okay, and it comes out in March, which is the, the, the big one, you know, they finally announced a name for it, and it comes out in six months. You know, they ain't messing around. This thing will be out in time for the Easter holidays. If it comes out at a good price, I might even go and pick one up in time for Easter. There's an awful lot of expensive tech in it, and the problem is you don't want to sell it. We all saw what happened with the PS3. Just because it had expensive tech in it does not mean you sell it at expensive tech prices because your machine won't sell. You know, people are already a bit on edge with Nintendo after the Wii U. So what do they do? Do they sell it for 250 quid and make a loss on each machine? Well, that's the thing. I mean, Xbox and PlayStation are now selling at a loss constantly because they know that they'll recoup that money back in the games. I think Nintendo have already said that they're not in, they're not looking to, to to make a loss on their consoles and make the money back elsewhere. The the placeholder pricing that you can you can see around there for the pre-orders are about three fifty pounds. We might yeah. not be far off of that, which is scary for a a, a game console that people buy and play one game on because it doesn't have Call of Duty, they won't play it again. <laughs> but there's the other thing that, that needs to be brought up, again, because we've had this problem with the Wii U. So there's this whole list of developers that have said they're going to be making for this machine. So, and you say Call of Duty, Acti have said they're going to be publishing on it, if nothing else. I mean, Acti don't really do anything apart from Call of Duty, do they? Uh, the occasional Destiny update? Yeah, <laughs> the occasional Destiny update. <laughs> well, that'd be interesting if Destiny goes on to it. Yeah, well, you see, because we've got Destiny 2 due next year, haven't we? Yeah, we well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we've got so, you know, Acti, Bethesda. Now, that was a big one that came out after that advert appeared, because a lot of those uh, screenshots are Skyrim, which apparently we're supposed to be really impressed that it's got a three-year-old game on it. <laughs> well, three-year-old tech, three-year-old game. Makes sense. Yeah. Codemasters, so F1 games. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. No, there's Dirt and... No, that covers it. EA? Basketball, FIFA. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe Mass Effect, if they're lucky. From? Hmm, From Software's on here. I don't think From Software make a Dark Souls games, as far as I remember. Never heard of them, but don't play <laughs> Dark Souls, so... 
Firstly, I mean, there's there's fucking loads on this list, but yeah, platinum. Of course, platinum are going to be on there. THQ Nordic is interesting because currently, I think the only thing THQ Nordic are doing are re-releasing Darksiders games. There, there are worse games to re-release. There are worse THQ games to re-release. True. I've got my pre-order in for the War Mastered Edition already. I will absolutely have that bad boy on release day. I still want Darksiders 3. Well, this is kind of what I'm hoping what happens with their name turning up on this list. That's their little quiet way of saying, we haven't forgotten about Darksiders, and we are going to do a number three. Hopefully the so. War Master, whatever it is, it picks up enough traction, enough people pick it up that they go, you know what, three may actually sell. Have you seen how much it's going for? Isn't it stupidly cheap? It's, it's 15 quid. Yep, thought so. 15, 15 quid for quid. two games. Despite how old they are, it's still... So, it's still Darksiders. It's still. I, I pre-ordered mine from Boomerang using my points. It's costing me seven pounds. That's seven pounds for Darksiders one. I I think I paid more than that for the humble bundle I got it in on PC. Seven pounds. That works out to being about ten pence per hour that you're going to be playing Darksiders for. Pretty much. So yeah, looking forward to that. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting list of people that are going to be apparently deving for the Switch. Obviously, you've got to take this list with a pinch of salt because. We saw well, a very similar list when the Wii U came out, didn't we? They might make um, one game and then not make a second, and others may see how poorly they've the sales are and just not make the first game. Or, yeah. worse, make the game, cancel <clears throat> development midway through, and then sell it anyway at full price. What do you think, though? EA on the list, do you reckon you'll get your Mass Effect on it? Maybe, but I'd be interested to see what EA do, considering Frostbite is often very aggressive on the power of the machine it's running on and it, yeah, EA I, I not mean, releasing I, I things on Frostbite. A console, I would expect a new console coming out in March to be able to handle an engine that consoles have been using for the last five years. True. You know, Nintendo or not, I'd expect Frostbite to work with it without a problem. True, but if you've played any of the, I'd say, more recent Battlefield games on the previous gen consoles, I, Battlefield 4, prime example, trying to load any screen when you're playing the game, yeah. it's dog shit. This is kind of true. Press the pause button to look at the map or the scoreboard <laughs> and yeah. you just wait 20 minutes and the game's over and the scoreboard oh, yeah. loads and it's not the right scoreboard because you've been killed four more times. Oh yeah, the amount of times I... And I kicked from the to, server for being inactive. <laughs> the amount of times I managed to crash Battlefield by going into the menus was outstanding. Absolutely not something that should be able to happen, but yeah, I get your point. Be interested to see what happens. But yeah, the NX, the Switch, good name comes away from the Wii U bullshit. Um, I'm interested. I'll pick one up one day. So this is kind of kind of I suppose it's a tenuous link to video games and and the like, but this week we also saw a new trailer for the Assassin's Creed movie come out. Now, I don't suppose we'd usually bother with any film trailers really, let alone ones from games. Obviously we've got a couple coming, but for me and I know for Tony as well, we're quite big Assassin's Creed fans and very, very much looking forward to this film. Yeah. What did, uh, what did you guys think of the new trailer? I, I, I don't know. I have, I had a few issues with it. I thought that it was. I think, I think, it, I think the thing is with this film, I think it looks amazing. I think it looks really good. I think Justin Kersel is going to really make it visually stand out and fit the games and things like that. But both the trailers have had shitty fucking music draped all over them, right? This was no exception. Which no, it really wasn't. It was fucking ghastly. It was rubbish, right? And it doesn't fit Assassin's Creed remotely. 
So no. I'm I'm just like, oh my god, why why can't we just have a classic a classical kind of you know pulse pounding score involved in this for a start anyway? Um, yeah, there were certain things about and it, it's nitpicks, but it's the kind of because I'm a massive Assassin's Creed fan. It's a it, the, these kind of nitpick, nitpicks get to me. Little things like the fact that Jer- Jeremy Irons' um, character, who seems to be playing the head of Abstergo, the yeah. evil um, Templar agency, Assassin's... Is it, no, it's Templars, isn't it? Tap- Templars agency. Yeah. He says Assassin's Creed, as, as in describing yeah. the Assassins. Now, the Assassins have never been called the Assassin's Creed. No. He kind of, <laughs> he kind of says it as if it's a, a time period, doesn't he? We've, we've traced him all the way back to the Assassin's Creed. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. Instantly, instantly put my back up. Yeah, immediately I went, no. Fuck you. No, yeah, exactly. I went, no, no, that's wrong. And I think Marion Cotillard's character, who seems to be playing his daughter, I'm sure she says Aminus at one point instead of Animus. (laughs) Right, now, (laughs) that could be be me. That could be me mishearing it. But in my head, I went, no, it's not Aminus. It's Animus. (laughs) Fucking do it properly. You know, so this is, you know, there have been lots of video game adaptations previously that have, fucked about with what they think are very very small details but you know we know are very important details i mean they're already taken to liberties with how callum who's michael fassbender's character is going into the animus you know it's going to be this rig as opposed to just a body you know thing that you'd lie in in a lot of the assassin's creed games or a piece of kit this is a rig where he's he's physically going to be able to fight almost like holographic it's even though not holographic do you know what i mean it's so and i think they like that so much they're going to incorporate into games from what i've heard yeah Um, i mean what i found interesting watching the new trailer though was you can actually if you look closely it's only there for a second you can see the old animus in the background okay the little you know the little red chair from two onwards yeah so that that, that's actually in the background at what i assume is abstergo industries it's it's there, so this looks like it's supposed to be an update to it all. Which, considering what Ubisoft has said about this this film and the games to come since, because they said you know Assassin's Creed will be coming back as a game, and it mm. will uh, be taking on bits from the film, so it must be the Animus because everything else looks like Assassin's Creed. But the uh, the point is, they said you know we will bring back Assassin's Creed you know when it's ready to come back. So what I I genuinely think, well, I think what I hope is that actually UB are going to go, we're going to update this, we're going to, you know, the stuff with Desmond finished three games ago, now, now we need to stop what we're doing since, and they're going to jump forward a bit, and I think this is where we're going to end up with dodgy, remote, holographic, hanging off the ceiling animus thing. But I think, as long as they do it right, I think it'll be okay. But yeah, I've got some issues with that. I didn't like it when I first saw it. I think, I, I think really, I mean, I, I know this isn't a film podcast, but I think the, the general gist of it is if if they get the, the right script and it honours the games and what the games are, and it, I know they can't do the games the same. I know it can't exactly be the same because they, they, they can't do that. But as long as they, they take the essence of the games and it's in the script yeah. and in the characters, then it could be one of the better movie adaptations. But I mean... You know, let's be honest. The reason that most movie adaptations of games don't work is because games are games. And when you take away the playability factor, 
immediately. Oh, yeah, they're, they're boring. Well, yeah, the whole concept of it changes. You've got to have a really good set of characters, a good story, and a lot of these films fall into the trap of just trying to do the same thing as the games have done just without us playing them. And you're like, well, well, no, that's not going to work, is it? Because <laughs> you've got to change it. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of, of a movie adapting Metal Gear Solid and doing the cutscenes in exactly the same way. So you're sitting there for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, listening to people talk, <laughs> absolute codswallop, yeah. and yeah. with no movement. So it's it, it works both ways. But I, I think I think it could be really good. And I'm, I'm just hoping that these nitpicks are just me being really picky or the way that this shitty trailer has been edited because it's a shitty trailer and I think there's a better film behind it. I hope so. Yeah, I, I think... I, I've I've said you know I've written a couple of things about trailers in the past and I've got plenty of things to say about trailers when we move on in a little while. But I, I mean I do think the trailers for Assassin's Creed are a bit crap. This one shows more. It what interested me actually what brought me back to it was it it showed what I hope is going to be the game's bleeding effect. Yeah. Which which looks interesting and more importantly and it's only brief and if you don't know you're looking for it you won't see it. You'll see that I can't remember what his assassin's name is, but his ancestors missing his ring finger which is an interesting detail that most people would have missed oh okay it's only on the screen for a brief second but the fact that it's missing actually shows some attention to detail mm. because obviously you know all the old assassins had to remove had to have their ring finger cut off so they could use the hidden blade the pre Ezio ones yes so it's interesting I'm hopeful yeah yeah I yeah I'm hopeful uh, I've been hopeful for a while and the people involved give me hope because it's got a great cast. It's got good, you know, it's got Justin Kurzel who did a really good Macbeth film last year. His brother who scored Macbeth, Jed Kurzel's doing the mu- music for Assassin's Creed. So the music, I think, will be good. A bit quite like Jesper Kidd did the scores for Assassin's Creed, the games. Yeah. And then Brian Tyler when he made them all, don't he made them all Pirates of the Caribbean then, didn't he? But like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's... Um, it's it's good, but yeah, they they've got game writers on doing the script. They've got people that are clearly quite passionate about it, doing, you know, making the film. Yeah, uh, you, you can but hope. I, th- I think it, I think if it's if it's crap, it won't be for the one to try in. I, th- no. I think I think they genuinely try, want to try and get it right. So that's a good it, sign. It ain't going to be the World of Warcraft movie. <laughs> Fucking hell! That all, <laughs> let alone games. That almost made me want to quit films. Well, Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty terrible. Although it is a shame that it, in this country it's been delayed to next year, even if it is like the second day of the year, because now our best video game film for 2016 is Angry Birds. <laughs> so now we're going to spend a bit of time talking about what we've uh, what we've been playing over the last couple of weeks, or. In Tony's case, what Tony's been playing since he bought his PlayStation and hasn't been able to get off of yet. That's <laughs> true. Before we get to Tony, so John, mate, what have you been playing? Battlefield 1. That's not the first Battlefield game that they released, whatever it was called, back in 1940s or something. Uh, no, we're going back to World War 1 with Battlefield 1. And you know what? Probably the most fun I've had playing a shooter since Battlefield 3. So how yep. did you like it? Is it, is it good? You know what? With the way that the story split up into the series of mini campaigns, you know, that uses all the different mechanics that the multiplayer has, typical Battlefield style. So the new aeroplanes, the new tanks, boats, apparently. I haven't got that far. I've only completed the first three, so I've just got as far as finishing off the planes one. And okay. yeah, the planes are reminiscent of Battlefront. If you ever played the Battlefront's air superiority, or at least flew in any of the fighters, they okay. handle very similar, just a lot slower. Obviously, because they're, they're World War One planes and not spaceships. 
But, okay. Yeah, Are you sure? The, yeah. Are you sure we don't get spaceships? I want TIE Fighters in my Battlefield game. Well, I suppose that could be quite amusing. Maybe there'll be someone patched that in or something on the PC version. <laughs> Turn a Sorry, one of carry the kites on. into an X-Wing. <laughs> yeah, the, the single-player stuff. There's a lot of emphasis on stealth, which seems a bit weird for a World War One game where they like the silence was made of metal pipe pipes. You know, no actual technology involved. It's weird wandering through no man's land from the German side to the, the British side as an American soldier trying to be safe, essentially. You, you're, you're crawling okay. through German trenches stealthily, occasionally using a hatchet to kill a few German soldiers, and then sneaking through no man's land while carrying someone on your back after your planes crashed and trying to avoid the the lights, the searchlights from the from the British side, because they'll okay. just open fire on you while you're walking across, because they don't okay. know that you're American and a whole obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah, the stealth, it's not well done, but for a first-person shooter, it's a pretty decent attempt. I mean, it's no, like, splinter cell, but it's not supposed to be, really. It's no. supposed to be, I shoot you really loud, you die, everyone's happy. Have you managed to finish it yet? No, like, I've only played the first three. The one, I've got three more to go, I think, the six. Okay. Uh, one of them features Lawrence of Arabia, apparently. Cool. <laughs> That's random. I, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have seen Battlefield took a lot of shit when their story trailer appeared, because it had, you know, women and Lawrence of Arabia and shit, you know, people going on one because it wasn't just generic white man killing people. There's another one that involves the Dreadnought ship, which I'm assuming they've added because of the whole behemoth type thing, which is that if your team's losing when you're playing at least Conquest, I don't know if it's on the others, but if you're losing on by at least 100 tickets on Conquest, the losing team gets hold of a large vehicle, so it's a blimp on some maps, an armoured train on others. That's what the uh, the other story mode that I'm missing. It's not, uh, okay. apart from the boat and the Lawrence of Arabia, is the one that involves an armoured train. It's got an armoured, there's an armoured train on some of the maps, and then on one of the maps that I've played so far, there's a dreadnought ship, which has the main, the captain of the ship controlling it, moving it from one end of the map to the other, and four people in gunner seats just absolutely annihilating the map using the levolution, if they're still calling it that. But the captain also gets hold of the main gun, which is capable of levelling the fucking castle that's there. <laughs> like, okay. there's a castle with two uh, capture points for the conquest game mode, and you yeah. can fucking total this bitch. Like, full uh-huh. on, this, this castle just doesn't stand a chance, because you've just fired, like, several thousand tons worth of explosives at it. But apparently one shot can't actually kill most people, despite the fact <clears throat> it's just ripped apart an entire castle. That's, that's typical Battlefield, battlefield way, though, stuff, isn't it? isn't it? It's like you you drop a nuke in Battlefield and it damages 99%. Yeah. So you, have you had a bit of time with the multiplayer then? Yes, the multiplayer I've played a fair amount. I think I've de- dedicated most of my Sunday to playing it, in fact, the multiplayer. Yeah, the multiplayer's balanced. Played the rush on played rush on on the beta. I uh, used a tank, one of the light tanks because there's a uh, three different sizes, the light tank, the heavy tank and then there's the like a transporter. It's got can extra cannons. Yeah. Uh used the light tank, went 32 and 0 because no one really knows how to combat tanks. The infantry don't really have any weapons to combat tanks unless you specifically <laughs> go out your way to 
buy the extra weapons in yeah. the in-game currency that you want that you win. I think the war bonds. Okay. You can get a, a a rocket launcher that you have to prop up and load. That's the engineering class has a special bit of dynamite kit that uh, is like three hand grenades attached together. No, it's like five hand grenades attached together. You launch it. Typical anti-tank traps and all that, but no one really cares enough. And you'd think the heavy tank would beat the light tank, but a la fury, it's you just <laughs> flank around the outside because you're quicker yeah. than they can turn their main gun. So there's that. Played a ridiculous amount of conquest, enough to know pretty much how everything works and where all the maps are. But there's a new game mode, quite fun actually. The okay. War Pigeons one. Yep, War Pigeons. This is this is the same War Pigeon you use in the first mission you get your hands on in the game? Uh, no, I think that's the only... T- the first pigeon you get hold of where you fly it, which yeah. is a bit stupid. It's more of a cutscene rather than actual you controlling the pigeon. It's a bit... Yeah. It's odd. But beyond that, there's a game mode called War Pigeons where the goal is to catch the pigeon, uh, <laughs> write a, a note of coordinates, and to let the pigeon go. Okay. But <laughs> it's difficult to write the coordinates down when moving. It actually slows the the ticker down. Yeah. And when you launch the pigeon, the other team can shoot it out the sky before it delivers the coordinates. And it's first to three, so it's best three or five. Just capture so, the flag. Yeah, capture the flag, but with pigeons. But with a pigeon. <laughs> All right. As fun I as it sounds. Something different, than you, with your game. <laughs> yeah, as fun as it sounds, I only gave it one one game mode on a this map was tiny. It's twelve player, so it's six on six. No, it might be 24. Mm-hmm. might be 12 on 12. I don't think there was that many people playing it. I think, yeah, it might have been 24. Yeah, it wasn't is it great. One of those, it's one of those game modes that's going to suffer because it's not Conquest or Rush. Definitely. Like what all of the other game modes on every battlefield has ever had, it's going to yeah. suffer based on the fact it's not Conquest or Rush. Yeah. And if there's an achievement attached to it, I've either got it or there are codecs attached to it and there's an achievement for getting enough codex. At which point I've got a War Pigeons a Codex. Fair enough. Have you have you played much Battlefield, Tony? I haven't. No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, but the pigeons now would get my interest. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> it might have to might have to try it just for that. But a game that really interests me actually is one that Tony's going to talk about, and this is because this this game's taken a lot of shit in every direction since it came out, and I'm really interested in in the, the opinion of someone I know. Tony, do you want to do you want to tell us about your the game you've been playing? Yes, um, I have been playing uh, No Man's Sky, which is the uh, <laughs> the extremely divisive game, which is obviously set in what has been billed as the most open world uh, universe ever <laughs> in the history yeah. of gaming. <laughs> yeah, by Hello Games on the PS4 and it's and and Windows, but it's 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 got eighteen quintillion planets, and if you don't know what No Man's Sky is. Yeah, he's a, a number. I've I've never heard Quintillion used to reference anything before, right? This. <laughs> so it's basically the idea is that you will never ever find everything in this game because you physically wouldn't have enough time in your life. It would. I don't know if if, if it's been. It probably has been calculated, but I think it would probably take you something like ten thousand years to find every planet or something hell. like that. Probably, yeah. So <laughs> the idea is. <laughs> The idea is it's supposed to replicate the universe, what it, I suppose what it would be like to travel in space. And it's got a very sort of simple, basic playability about it in that you play a basically just an explorer who's got a ship. You know, the ship um, styles vary, but you, you just imagine like an X-Wing, I suppose, from Star Wars, okay. right? And you're traveling through space and you're navigating different star systems and 
you every every star system you visit with all these planets and it could be various different planets it could be 10 planets it could be two planets and a moon there's they they will always be undiscovered so it's very very unlikely you will find a planet that somebody else has found or if it, or if you have it will be only probably one person i think since i've yeah. played it there has been one one other person one other player who found a, a star system that i that i found and i haven't seen this person they are long gone <laughs> so the idea is that every time you find a new star system it logs it on the uh, uh, you know through uh, through the online servers so it, you are registered as the first person who found it um and you get to name it. Yeah, you get yeah, you can name it. You can name it whatever you like. You can name everything in it really. You can name the planets, you can name the star system, you can name the waypoints on each planet because I think the problem that people have found with No Man's Sky is that there, there is a repetition to it in that every time you go to a new star system, there are the same kind of challenges, essentially, in that okay. everything you do is meant to basically keep you going. So unlike a lot of space games, there are there is there is a shoot-em-up element to it if you choose to engage with other, other ships. You know, you can go on, like, raiding parties and you can intercept distress signals and have some dogfights in space and things. But you don't have to. But the idea is that everything you do is meant to keep you able to move on to the next star system. So in other words, you have to land on these planets because your engines only have a certain amount of power. So you will need to then mine on each planet the minerals that you will need to power your vessel to get you able to actually launch your thrusters to get off the planet once you've landed to then actually rocket yourself into space to then engage the hyperdrive that allows you to travel to other star systems and if you don't collect those minerals you'll basically end up stranded on the planet and sometimes these planets only have minimal life support so you've got to get minerals to keep your life support system going you've got to get minimal uh, minerals to keep your shields going because radiation might start sapping your shields <laughs> um, so every time you go to a planet you have to mine the same kind of minerals, but then they can also be sold because there are space stations where you can trade goods, where you'll occasionally meet aliens who you can have a brief chat with and stuff. There are lots of like lockbox. Every every planet has waypoints that have different things on. So there's there's like abandoned space stations on the planet. You might find there's this underlying mystery of this arcane sort of ancient, very two thousand and one esque alien civilization and mis- okay. and mystery to it. So. Each time, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's very, it's very alien, very, very alien in the sense. But it's, it's effectively the same kind of things you find each time. But they can help deliver power ups. They can help deliver new technology. You can retrofit and build using these minerals to give yourself more power, to give your internal system more slots where you can mine more minerals and get more. Some sometimes you might find lock boxes on planets that give you special items like alien artifacts. You can then sell or you can use to retrofit different technologies. There is a lot to it. And the idea is that you're supposed to balance everything, really. It's like it's like playing No Man's Sky is a bit like a puzzle. It's like a jug it's like a, it's like juggling different things at once. You've got to make sure you've okay. got your eye on the ball, really. The idea is that each one of these planets is different. So every single one has a different st- style to it. Most yeah. are ver- variously, you know, they're not completely different. They have the same kind of things on them, but they all have different terraforming to them. And that's essentially the idea of the game in that you can go off and explore randomly if you want to build up yourself to get more money, which means you can buy a bigger ship, which means you can then buy bigger engines to maybe get you to places quicker, etc. But the ultimate idea of the game is either to follow what is called the Atlas, which is this ancient alien mystery, and get to the center of the universe. That's the ultimate idea of the game. You never have to. You could spend the, <laughs> you could spend the next however long this game is online and functioning just exploring space and i think the problem people have had is that there's a repetition to it and it is very repetitive don't get me wrong it is but i think part of its charm lies in that in that i mean i quite enjoyed it because i can play this with my girlfriend who's not a big gamer 
but we can sit there okay. and play. We did on a Saturday. We spent like eight hours just playing No Man's Sky all day. And it's quite relaxing because there's this really ambient soundtrack by 65 Days of Static, the band, that plays through it as well. So you can kind of just tune out and play it. And it's it's nice. It's kind of enjoyable in that sense. But it is a very required taste, I think. <laughs> and I think... Yeah, it, I mean, you know, like you said, it has been very divisive hasn't it i mean yeah i don't think there's anybody that just kind of likes this game you've got like half the people really really like it and half the people really fucking hate it yeah and it's been it's been the subject of quite a lot of shit you know from everybody since it came out well i think from what i've read it's that's it's it's been dealt a a difficult hand i think you know i mean yeah they didn't do themselves any favours in the way they promoted it by the sound of it because Sean Murray, the designer, basically came out and said, this is going to be the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life and it's going to be the most open world, interactive, just stunning piece of work ever. And yeah, okay, it's the biggest, probably the biggest open world you'll ever see in a game, but it isn't stocked full with variety. And I think no. the problem people had was that after playing it for a while, they went, well, what's different? What, what's, what is the... And, you know, we do... You've got to remember, we do live in this instant gratification culture, you know, in that people, oh, yeah. people want something with a payoff now. And No Man's Sky isn't a now payoff game. It is a... It, it, it's, it's basically a, a, an example of it's not the destination that matters, it's the journey yeah. in a game. That's the point, really. And while I completely see people's problems with it, and I understand, I really do, and I think that's fair enough. Equally, I think this will only develop, you know. It's definitely one of those games, I think, for me, obviously I've not played it yet, and I do really kind of fancy playing it and giving it a go, but I think the the problem it's got is obviously they've said, you know, it's going to be the biggest open world you've ever played, and, you know, no two places are going to be the same and all this kind of stuff, but what people have forgotten is that, you know, they've said that this game is is, uh, procedurally generated, which means that the world you're going to isn't built until you actually get there. Mm. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a part of the game until you get to it. And the problem with that is there's only a finite amount of things you can do with your worlds, your environments, your whatever you want to call them, so that they all still fit together when your engine builds the planet that you're flying yeah. towards. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have forgotten that actually the this is going to be an issue when you get to a planet and of course that mountain looks the same that mountain had to look the fucking same because it's the same you know yeah <laughs> you know, there's no yeah. it's it's not magic it's a game engine um, and while these engines are very good and i've seen some some images you know some gameplay of no man's sky and the engine looks amazing they're sure murray and his his team of six or however many it was, it wasn't a big team. Yeah. They're not magicians. No. Uh, and I, I think, like you said, I think Sean Murray created a rod for his own back, I think, by, by announcing all these yeah. things. But at the same time, people need to be far more forgiving and take marketing with a pinch of salt because that's what it is. It's marketing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think, I think they've got to understand as well that, like a lot of games, this, is, this will be a developing project. I mean, they're, always, they're already working on the patch, the patch that yeah. will either repair a few issues and also they've talked about how they're going to add more things like potentially more space stations, more interactive aliens. You know, there's, there's a variety of things I think they've got lined up that they might be able to do, which means that you will get more variety probably in time. You know, I, th- I think this is a game that will... In a way, I'd kind of say to people... If you're not sure, leave it for a year. Leave, leave it leave it till the end of 2017 and try it then because I think by then you'll have a lot more to it, really. Yep. So if, if, I, if what I've described sounds interesting now, give it a try, but don't expect something radically different every time you, you play it or every every time you go somewhere new because it isn't that kind of game. But if you, if nah. you do want something that's going to be a little bit more 
full of depth and worlds that have new things, I'd give it some time because I think that's what they're going to add. Yeah, I I would probably I would guess that give it six months to a year when they patch in a few a few new bits of game, whatever they may be. I bet we see a demo turn up on the PlayStation Store, and at that yeah. point, that'll be the time. You know, once they're comfortable and they go, this is what people wanted, mm. then we'll get the game as a demo that we can all jump on and try and. I bet then that's when it starts to make its money. Yeah, I think so as well. Mm. But I, I, I think I like it. I think I think it's I think its ambition is brilliant, and I think for anyone who enjoys if anyone who likes space and likes the idea of exploration, I think they'll really enjoy this and they'll get something out of it. Yeah, but it it it, 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 it won't be for everybody. <laughs> it really won't be. It, it can't be. But at no. the same time, you can't have the films are the same, and you know, you and me have spoken films a lot in the past, and yeah. You know, if, it, if they were all the fucking same, if they were designed to please everybody, everything would be so yeah. fucking boring. Of course, yeah. You know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, people have got to try stuff that, you know, people have got to try to make different stuff. Mm. You know, yeah. It doesn't always work. And they've, they've certainly tried to do that with this. So I would, I would recommend giving it a try. Yeah. Cool. I think it only leaves me then, doesn't it? And what I've been playing. So I've been playing Gears of War 4, which is actually the fifth Gears of War game, amazingly. Do you guys have any experience with the Gears games? No. I've got all of them so far, but I haven't played any of them all the way through story-wise. <laughs> so, I mean, I won't ruin anything, but so the basic story is so this is, I think it's 25 years after the end of Gears of War 3, where the, the main bad... Well, the main bad guys from Gears of War 3 were kind of mutants of the main bad guys from 1 and 2. But that, you know, that aside, we've killed them all off. We won at the end of Gears of War 3, and all is nice and happy and peaceful. And the, the army that you worked for, the I think the COG, the Coalition of Governments, That makes sense, yeah. So they're still a thing. They're still an army. And you now play as a new character, JD. So yeah, he's... He's left, or he's gone AWOL from the COG and is now kind of hanging around with these, these people that are called outsiders, who they're nomads, they just kind of live in, in villages. They're basically pikeys, these people. Yeah, they're caravan people. There's nothing wrong uh, with caravan people, I'll put that out there. While they're, you know, ripping off many and varied settlements for bits that they're after, they, they are attacked by new monsters, and new monsters start to take some of the people that, that they are caravanning with and so they go looking for them and so begins Gears of War 4. For those that have played the Gears games before it's absolutely it's 100% more of the same uh, it's less of Gears of War Judgment which is a good thing because Gears Judgment was not good and just kind of felt like an add-on to 3 that was sold as a full game. This this feels like Gears, it feels like a Gears game and I love Gears I Gears of War is the reason I bought an Xbox 360. This one was the first Gears game that I bought on release day and the day it came to the, the door or the day after it came to the door because the day it came to the door you and I were podcasting I didn't play it that day but I did play it the next day and it was like slipping into a pair of comfy old shoes you know within five minutes I'm into my game I'm rolling on I'm killing things for those that don't know uh, so you know Tony included you have this thing in Gears called active reload so instead of just tapping your button to reload your rifle or whatever you're firing, you're given kind of a progress bar for the reload. And if you tap the reload button a second time at the right time, you get a damage boost with your next magazine's worth of rounds. Mm. Which is a, it's a really interesting mechanic. It, on the surface, it doesn't really do that much. 
but it's actually it's a deeper mechanic that a lot of people give it credit for and it really can it can be a big help in getting people down two or three bullets quicker this especially this is especially a thing when you start playing it on the harder difficulties because gears of wars insanity difficulty is quite literally that it's fucking insane yeah if you don't get an active reload every time you're not yeah. going to get through it no so th- so this is the thing so you start playing gears four and you tap the reload button and within a couple of minutes you're back into getting your active reload you you know it's comfortable it's there it's just it's gears but here's my problem with it. It's like stepping into a pair of comfy old shoes. You know, this is the first Gears game on the Xbox One, and don't get me wrong, it looks gorgeous. You know, but you've the, already walked 100 miles in them. Yeah, it looks absolutely amazing. Un- the new Unreal Engine looks spectacular on the Xbox. You know, this this is going to be the, the yardstick to which most games, at least for me, are going to be measured for quite a while. It looks outstanding. The lighting's great. The, you know, everything, these people look fantastic. The modeling is awesome. But it's just gears. It's safe. And for the first game in, you know, on the new console, and I, I kind of expected something different. But at the same time, I see why they've done it. <laughs> I, I'm genuinely, I mean, I loved every second of, well, no, I didn't love every second. Uh, I loved most of the time I was playing gears. But I kind of wanted it to be a little bit more. But I can see the developers, so uh, Epic Games don't make Gears of War anymore. They've sold the, the, the IP to Microsoft, and Microsoft have, have sent it on to one of their in-house studios, in this case, uh, the Coalition, they're called. They used to be, I think they used to be Black Tusk Studios, and they've renamed themselves to the Coalition. They're, they're going to be they're going to be the Gears guys, and that's fine. They do a spectacular job, but it's just Gears. You know, it's and it has this problem actually. It's shorter than all the other games except for Judgment. So I think one I remember spending about 15 hours playing. Maybe it's because I suck. Maybe not. Spent about 15 hours doing that, and I think I averaged about that for two and three as well. This one I think I had done in about seven hours. Which don't get me wrong, is still longer than a lot of shooter campaigns. But it just felt a bit short. And it, the biggest problem it had was it split into five acts. Acts one and two, apart from a little prologue bit at the beginning, you're solely shooting robots. Which to most people might not sound like a problem, but uh, <laughs> did either of you guys play Black Ops 3 last year? Or the year no, before? thank God. No, no. Right. Black Ops 3's biggest problem was the fact that it was fucking soulless. And it wasn't soulless because it was another churned out Call of Duty game. It was soulless because you weren't killing anybody human. It was just wave after wave after wave of robots. By about a halfway point, I gave up and I dropped it down to easy and just ran through the entire thing because I was sick to the back teeth of it. And Gears 4 kind of has a very similar problem. The first two acts, you know, while they're only three or four hours, maybe maybe three hours to get to the end of Act 2, for that, for that three hours, you're just killing this endless stream of robots. And I'm saying, I'm bored now. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I really want monsters because that's what that's what gears games are about you're killing monsters thankfully you know you get to the end of act two that's when monsters appear and you forget everything i just said and go on and carry on to kill monsters (laughs) almost exclusively and the monsters are decent let's say they're nothing on the locust from the early games you know the locust kind of seemed to have a bit more going for them the ones here not quite so much not as boring an enemy as lots of lots of robots, but not as good as the original bad guys. I I think. Well, they won't beat Ram. Simply put. Well, no. Th- this is the thing. So there's no, but there is no, there's no Ram equivalent. Again, for those that don't know, so Ram was the main bad guy. He was like the leader of the Locust in Gears One, and he was a bastard. 
Well, they didn't. They didn't equal Ram in any of the subsequent Gears of Wars. This is true. The thing is, right? So you, when you first see the monsters, you do see a guy, and the first thing, the first thought you will have is, "That's fucking Ram. That's going to be the main bad guy. He's he's going to be Gears Four's Ram." And you're like, "Actually, this is going to be quite cool." Um, uh, it's kind of a boss fight, I suppose, when he when he turns up, but it's not difficult, and it's not particularly interesting, and it's 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 not Ram. It's it's a very safe game. I would hope that this sells well when we get another one. I would hope that when we see Gears of War Five, that the coalition uh, they you know Microsoft let the let the reins off a little bit, let the coalition do their thing, and maybe do something a bit different, and maybe make us a, a better game than this. And like I said, that's not to say Gears Four is bad. Not even close. I fucking loved it, but it is a safe game. Here's my biggest problem with gears the fucking marketing and i'm sick to the back teeth but i keep coming back to adverts and trailers being the biggest bugbear of mine when it comes to film and game because holy balls i am going to assume that everybody that listens to this at least saw the reveal trailer at e3 for gears 4 Apart from Tony, who probably doesn't know who I'm talking about when I say this next character. Sorry. No, it's fine. To be honest, when I say the name, it won't mean anything to you. And that's because you haven't played the other Gears games. That's kind of yeah. fine. But it is a little bit spoilery. The problem is, it was fucking spoiled by the trailer. Ugh. When you when we when we got the this the kind of announcement trailer at E3, it ends with the main character from the first three games, named Marcus Phoenix. He's literally as video game characters go, he's legendary. Everybody knows Marcus Phoenix. Everybody loves Marcus Phoenix. He's like he's the epitome of fan favorite. He turns up at the end of the announcement trailer as your character walks through the door, and he looks at you and says, "Hi, son, motherfucker." That's fine. No, more, no, it's not fine because I would have really liked the surprise. But here we go. So when you get to towards the end of Act Two of no, just after Act, just after the end of Act Two, beginning of Act Three of Gears Four, when you go to the estate that Marcus is living on, your little location thing, it just says the estate. It doesn't say the Phoenix estate. It doesn't say the Stroud estate, which is actually where it is because obviously your mum is Anya from the first three games. It doesn't say anything like that. It just says the estate. Up until this point, your surname has never been mentioned. You're literally, you're either called by your rank or you're called JD. Nothing up to this point has, has suggested that you're Marcus Phoenix's son or you're about to go and get Marcus Phoenix. So, which begs the question, why the holy fuck did you feel the need to put that into a trailer when it was clearly meant to be a surprise? Because, you know, same as you do in film, when you play a game and you get a big surprise like that, you would want to get up and you would want to cheer. And if it wasn't for the fact I knew exactly who we were going to get because I'd seen that trailer, I would have been blown away. They ruined one of their best surprises for this game with their announcement trailer. And I won't say anything about how it spoils it, but the fucking launch trailer does exactly the same thing with other characters. And that really fucking annoyed me. Because, again, you've got this whole bit building up to a reveal that I knew what the fucking thing was because it was in the goddamn launch trailer. Whereas they specifically make, they've specifically written the script and written the gameplay so that you don't know what's happening until it happens. But I saw it in the launch trailer. I was furious absolutely furious you have what is what is maybe the biggest franchise on the xbox and now on windows you don't need to sell it by showing me things like marcus phoenix coming back and they damn well know this and fans know this you literally you say gears of war 4 coming out october whatever it came out go buy it 
and everyone will go and buy it. The Red Dead Redemption method. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but this is my point. That You look at the Red Dead Redemption trailer that's just come out, it tells you absolutely nothing. Yeah. It tells you there's cowboys in it. That's it. But do rock, are Rockstar going to fuck it up? And when they show us an actual trailer, probably August next year, <laughs> you know, when when they announce it's been delayed to spring 2018, yeah. you know, do, do they ruin all the surprises or do they keep everything under their hat? But you know what? Rock, Rockstar, to me, in terms of the trailer kind of comparison, they're like the Christopher Nolan of of the gaming world in that yeah. whenever you get a Christopher Nolan film he never gives you everything in a trailer he gives you just nah. enough to get you really excited and then I mean if anyone saw his, his, if anyone is a film fan who listened to this and saw his teaser trailer for Dunkirk that is the most minimalist tr- teaser trailer to a massive blockbuster you'll ever see but it tells yeah. you what the film is effectively yep. and I think I think you've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head there because you talk to you, well you talk to I've talked to Christopher Nolan not I fucking have <laughs> you, 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 you listened to yeah, down the pub, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah. You, you listen to Christopher Nolan when he talks about his films. He's given complete 100% control over what is done, what is said about his films. He he splices together his trailers. He does all the marketing. It's all controlled by him. And that's how it should be because he knows what should and shouldn't be told outside of the cinema. Mm. And I think this is where the problem lies for things like gear. So obviously the coalition know this, 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 and this. These are surprises. These, you know, should be revealed in-game. The game's handed off to a guy from Microsoft Marketing, let's say, and the guy goes, okay, so we need this, 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 and this. Oh, look, it's got Marcus Phoenix. We need to do that. That will sell. That will sell a lot. You know, it's a completely different guy making the trailers as it is making the game. Mm. And I think that's it's the same problem that a lot of these films have. You know, one hand ain't talking to the other. Yeah, and it's, and it's all about what they think what they think people want to see. You know, we've, we've got yep. this... Again, it goes back to this whole cultural thing of that they seem to think that audiences want to know everything or need to know everything before they go in to make sure they do go in. And then you've yep. got people like Rockstar who knew that they had with Red Dead Redemption a bona fide hit on their hands already. I mean, they did have that fortunate in their back pocket, but the reason that Rockstar can do that is because they make fucking great games, you know, and they make iconic games that stay in people's consciousness. You know, people still remember Red Dead Redemption 10 years later. They've been salivating for a sequel for 10 years, you know. Yeah. People, it's got a brand now. Rockstar have a brand. Grand Theft Auto has a brand. Red Dead Redemption has a brand. They don't need to try. And the sad thing is, Gears of War has a brand. That's the thing. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I don't play those games to be honest. It's not really my cup of tea. But I've heard of them. I know the Gears of War brand. So it, it's really strange to think that there are people out there who seem to think they have to tell you everything and re- and spoil so much to make sure people buy it. Because fucking hell, people are going to buy it anyway. You just tell them yeah. Gears of War is coming out. People are going to buy it. It's really yeah. frustrating. You know, it happens in, it frustrates me in films, but it, it, if it happens to games as well, that's it. If anything, that's worse because you're playing the game. So, yeah. you know, and they and cost it's, more. It's, and it's quite expensive to yeah, play a game as well. Exactly. You know, you spend, yeah. what, 10 quid to go to the cinema. Yeah, a game, yeah. you might be spending 50. And it's like, well, it's just, it's, it's crappy. It's not on. And you're absolutely right. It I think was, when it's not in house, that's where the problems crop up. Yeah. It just, it was. It was so infuriating to me that that these you know these two specific trailers and these two specific things happened, and it was just so disappointing. And the closer you got to this Marcus Phoenix reveal, the cl- the more I noticed that this was this was supposed to be a surprise. This this was building up to be a big shocking reveal. You know, and I, oh you absolute bastards! 
Yeah. Terminator so Genesis. Star is Christopher Nolan, and yeah, and yeah. Gears of War is Terminator Genesis. It's the Terminator <laughs> Genesis of video games. Yeah, that sounds really bad. The game's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the game, you know, for all it does have some faults. It's but it, if you like Gears, you'll love Gears Four. It's a, an awful lot of fun. It looks gorgeous. It plays beautifully. I suck ass at the multiplayer, which annoys me because I used to be so good at Gears multiplayer. The multiplayer is a lot of fun. It's still a, a shitty shotgun fest, but it's it's still fun. Yeah, it's it's more of the same. Buy it if you liked any of the other Gears games. <laughs> So moving on into the the uh, the last part of our podcast today, because we're, we're releasing kind of the weekend of Halloween, and because you know any tenuous link is a good link, really. Shocktober. So, oh, fucking Shocktober. <laughs> October, November. Next week we're talking about games with moustaches in. Red Redemption. Yeah. <laughs> so tying in with the Halloween thing, just for a little bit, we're going to talk some horror games. So instead of sticking with the triple bill, we're going to do a bit of a round robin, but we're going to do a couple of good games and we're going to pick a shit game for you as well, just because we want to make it a little bit more interesting because it's our podcast and our three listeners might want something a bit different. So yeah, so I think to start off, so we're going to do, we're going to stick to a good or start off with a good horror game, whether it scared you or, you know, you just enjoyed playing it. And then we'll, we're going to have a look and see what people are, uh, responded to us when we asked on Twitter and the Facebook. Uh, do you want to start us off then, John? Give us a good a good horror game. Good horror game. There are so many good horror games out there. And as the kind of little sissy girl who I am, it's it's difficult to get me to want to play a horror game. Every Pretty much every horror game that's ever released, I look at and go, nope, not playing that. Good horror game? The Last of Us. Yep. My only regret with The Last of Us is that I can't play it for the first time again because it's such a powerful story. I was almost in tears at at, at least at one point. And you know what? With just the prologue, it's so intense that what happens... You know, I, I'm not going to put any spoilers out there for this game because for anyone who hasn't played it, it's a must-play. You just go buy a PlayStation and play it. And for those <laughs> of you who have played it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, that was horrible. Like, genuinely horrible. It was, it was not nice to play at all. The game relies heavily on stealth, which any good horror game would need stealth in some way because it's all well and good that you can kill the enemy, it's that you shouldn't be doing that necessarily. You need to get from point A to point B while keeping a little girl safe from harm, while a large number of enemies that have an instant kill if you get near enough to them, it's terrifying enough that if you go loud, you don't know if you've got enough bullets to kill not just the enemies that you can see, but all the enemies that you can't see. That's the problem is that there's yeah. an untold number of enemies in around you. And it's it's terrifying at times. You walk into a sewer and you don't know what's going to cause a group of enemies to come and attack you. It could literally be that you're just casually walking along and something falls over because you've walked into something you shouldn't have done. And that alerts a group of enemies because they've got good hearing. But it's not just the, the horror element to the game that makes it amazing. It's, it's that one moment, I think, Act 2, you step out onto the roof and there's that giraffe that's escaped from the zoo. Yeah. And it just makes the whole world seem beautiful. You know, there are, there are so many games out there that you could wish you could blank from your memory. 
for the obvious reasons that it's so bad that you just never want to see it again. I wish I could blank this game from my memory just so I can play it again. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that. There are a couple of games I would like to be able to do that with. Have you Have you managed to play Last of Us, Tony? I haven't yet. No, I've heard a lot about it, and I've I've heard many people say it's brilliant. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and grab it. It might be a bit cheaper now, actually, as well. So it's, it's been out a while. It's very cheap, actually. Mm, so. Yeah, the the HD, HD the remastered version for PS4 is yeah. always going for about you know ten quid on yeah. the stores. For for ten quid, you could spend your ten quid in much worse places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I probably have. But yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, uh, yeah, I will. I'll grab it. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to go up next, Antonio? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us back to the uh, the late 90s for a game that I suppose is I suppose it's horror but it is as much sci-fi I'm going to say the old I think it's 1999 it came out the old Alien vs Predator game on the PC um, okay. which fucking scared me to death as a teenager because yeah. <laughs> it had you could play as one of three things you could play as the Alien the Xenomorph you could play as um, the Predator or you could play as the Colonial Marines and you could that was that was a brilliant thing and it was always it was always really like piss easy if you played as the alien because you could just go and hack everyone to death immediately yeah um but whenever you played and the predator was pretty pretty good as well but whenever you played as the marine you might as well not fucking bother because no. you, it was you would walk along a corridor with the yeah oh that heartbeat sensor yeah the, oh god and all you could hear was that right no music or anything just and then suddenly, a face hugger, and the face hugger that, actually leaps. That's a pretty damn good impression of that movement sensor as well. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's burned into my head right from this yeah. game, and then and obviously Aliens, the movie. But um, when the face hugger leaps onto the screen, it leaps out of nowhere and just does a <laughs> noise, and I, I've shit my pants at that several times. It's yeah. absolutely terrifying. So that whole game, fucking hard as well. It was really difficult game to play, right? It was. Difficult. It was. It was a bastard hard it, it game. Was that really one. hard. But then, whenever you'd get that face hugger, would usually kill you as well. So that'd be it. But it just used to give me a heart attack. I mean, it's brilliantly done, really brilliantly done. But playing that at a night time, at like 10, 10 at the night, when I was like fifteen years old, it's a wonder I'm not dead <laughs> of fright. So I think that's <laughs> that was a really, really for me. That's been the best sort of translation of that universe into the game world. Yeah. Yeah, still. Yeah, I think I think my one probably, well, my one definitely sticks with a, a similar theme, and it's uh, Alien Isolation from a couple of years oh, ago. yeah. Have you guys come across this game? I've heard of it, but I haven't played it. It put that fresh in the category of I'm too much of a sissy girl to have played. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's shit scary. It is, but it's not, I don't remember any real jump scares in it. There might have been one or two. But what this game was, it was pure atmosphere. You know, pure, just edge of your seat. You know something's coming at some point atmosphere. It's kind of, it kind of plays like a prequel, I believe. I played it when it first came out and it's been a little while. It plays as a prequel to Alien. So you actually play as Ellen Ripley's daughter trying to survive on this space station that's been overrun by xenomorphs and lots of killer Bishop-esque robots. And it's, you know, you have weaponry but it's really stupid to use them you know much like the last of us thing if you get to the point where you're shooting at things probably not going to survive but it has this amazing mechanic where you can go and hide in a cupboard or in a locker or under a table and just hope to god that the alien doesn't see you this game it's like you'll be walking around quietly you know trying to find your way 
to an objective of some description and you'll get to the end you'll get towards the end and a xenomorph will just drop through the ceiling into the area you're in and you've got about three seconds to run and hide before it turns around and sees you and in that three seconds you've shat a brick and lobbed your controller at the tv hoping that it's going to hit the xenomorph because you don't want nothing to do with that motherfucker it's absolutely fucking terrifying the atmosphere in this game and this is after so maybe 99's avp game probably the last good alien game yeah there have been a couple of avp games since we've had colonial marines which was guff and then this came out and everybody was like it's just gonna be another shitty alien game and who wants to play this and it turned out to be one of the best horror games that's ever come out absolutely fucking terrifying and and I, I love horror. Horror for me is one, it's one of my favourite genres, whether it's games or films or what. Even I had to like, stop and just leave it and go outside and I need to see daylight and make sure that everything's actually okay because, holy crap, I can't stop shaking. Kind of scary. It's out of this world. If you haven't played this game, it needs to go on a list of two-play games if you're into that kind of thing. Because if, It's one of those I wouldn't recommend to people that don't like horror. So moving on... Mr. Miller? Yes. Good number two? Yeah, a shit one. No, no, shit number one. Shit one. Shit, my shit one. Going by your choice of an Aliens game, I'm going to go with an Aliens game. Everyone knows which one I'm talking about. Maybe not Tony so much, but Aliens (laughs) Colonial Marines. The game that was apparently set 17 weeks after the events of Alien 3. It's um, not good. (laughs) It's <laughs> probably the politest way of, of talking about this game. It is one of the worst, most broken games I've ever played. The, the, it has an excuse in that it was developed by, what, about 72 different studios in its in its creation. Yeah. It's, it's a game that was originally cancelled in 2001 right, for the original Xbox was then picked up again after the after the um, Sega got the electronic rights to the Alien franchise and yeah. then they gave it on to Gearbox I think at some point yeah. in, in its development and the game that was released was not the game that was sold to people yeah they they did fuck that game up in a big way there was a there was no coming back from that after it came out and people are now going to be saying look well that's what you get for being an EA game because it was originally well, I mean, the Alien franchise, as a video game franchise, it's cursed. You you can't make a game that's going to make everybody happy because Alien film fans, we're fucking rabid. Mm, <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't. it's a franchise that we don't appreciate people fucking with. And we, you know, we forgive a lot, but no, Colonial Marines was fucking terrible and should never have been made. And the, the second or third time it got cancelled, it should have fucking stayed cancelled. And Gearbox, I can't believe they're still fucking going, considering that's the second of, or no, the first of two games that they released in a couple of years span that was fucking ghastly. But that's for another time, I think. So what about you then, Tony? You got a, got a crap movie for us? A crap game for us? Well, Sorry. Yeah, for, for <laughs> funny you should say that. We've got a lot movie. of both. <laughs> I've got, well, I've got a crap game based on a good movie, again, which is uh, Jaws Unleashed. Fucking hell. <laughs> because because i'm like i'm the kind of like video game player in that i because i'm a bigger movie fan i tend to sort of gravitate towards games sometimes that are based on movies and i'm like oh i'll pick that up you know that that looks good or i have done in the past but jaws unleashed was uh 2006 um based on jaws for the ps2 (laughs) jesus christ yeah i mean words can't describe how bollocks this this was it, although IGN called it Grand Shark Auto in a positive way. Wow. Which, yeah, 
I'm, I, I don't know what they were smoking, but it was just awful. It was just. You know, I'm pretty. That was probably back when they were taking money for their reviews. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's because you play as Jaws. It's like you. It's old. I'm you, buying it right now. You, you play as the shark. <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounds that sounds brilliant. But think about it for a minute. <laughs> you so play it's, it's as Echo Jaws. the dolphin with teeth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So it it was just really sort of clunky. There's so many things are wrong with it. It was just trying, you know, trying to trying to move a, a man-eating shark. You know, again, imagine what that must be like, right? It, it's just <laughs> it's just rubbish, just rubbish. And it, it's just a good example of how you know sometimes you shouldn't do these things. You know, <laughs> just because Jaws was a great movie doesn't mean that. It would be a great game. It's because it's interesting the the, the flip side of, of the whole game to movie thing. It applies the other way around as well. Sometimes, quite often. Oh, for sure. For for quite a lot of the time, yeah, most, yeah, yeah. Um, most licensed games based on films are fucking shocking. Exactly. Yeah, Jaws Unleashed would be my bad horror game because I'm not a massive I'm not a massive horror gamer. You know, I don't I don't really play horror games particularly. I'm I'm halfway between both of you. You know, I'm a bit of a wuss like John, but I also do like the odd thrill. Yeah. Wait, hang on. I didn't say wuss. I said sissy girl. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, I have a bit of dignity he said, here. He said pigtailed sissy girl. Is what he said. <laughs> I stand corrected, but yeah, for the ones it I have. Interesting played. though, because horror horror games have got a completely different thing to horror film. Like, I I love horror films. Yeah, but me the too. With horror films, is within two hours. They're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I can go outside and get in the car and listen to some music and drive home. Horror games, eight hours of of good horror game, like say Alien Isolation, is really fucking intense. You know, and it it can be quite draining. Yeah. You know, it, it it's literally it it would be like watching all of your favourite horror films one after the other for ten hours and not in a way because you're in control of it as well you you kind of it's a different experience because you have to you have to push forward or you're the one that's you're actually hiding from this thing or you're trying to kill this thing it's a it's a different experience obviously being a game but it's much more intense i would say than even some of the best horror films assuming the game's good which my next one isn't Go (laughs) go on then what is it and this, I think, is going to annoy a lot of people because I know a lot of people actually really enjoyed this game. Uh, but I, I say to those people, I reckon you didn't enjoy the game. You're just nostalgic for the man that made it. Uh, and it's the evil within. Because a lot of people love this game. I thought it was fucking wank. <laughs> <laughs> I, so this, uh, this came out... No, towards No. Well, it was shite. It came out towards Halloween, I think, 2014, so a couple of years ago now. Uh, and what this game had going for it, well, it had a couple of things going for it. It was billed as the next big survival horror game in the mould of things like Resident Evil and Silent Hill and things like that. And it was given that bill because it was a brand new studio called Tango Gameworks, and they were they had been created by Shinji Mikami. Now, Shinji Mikami is a god amongst horror game lovers. He's the man that invented Resident Evil. He, he he gave us he basically invented the survival horror game as we know it today. So everybody got on board for this game even though it looked a bit wank. Everybody wanted to play this game even though it looked a bit shit. Turns out that this game's actually a bit shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing is that everything about this game, it, all the, the the formula, all the pieces for it are there. That it's you know it's a haunted house type thing. It's 
you know, weird police investigations and something dodgy's going on. And it's got big, scary bad guys and plenty of jump scares and lots of atmosphere. The problem is, for me, none of it ever quite melded together. And the more I played it, I, sp- I spent some time on some forums while I was playing it as well. I was, I'm just not getting it. And everybody would say, oh, just keep going. You know, you'll it'll get you eventually. It's the fucking Blair Witch Project of video games. Yeah. <laughs> it'll scare you at some point. No, it fucking didn't. And I... I I think I got two-thirds of the way through this game. I think I played it for about nine to ten hours. And I, I tried to find everything. I'd done all my investigating. I looked at everything I could find. I got lost several times and ran away from enemies and that I'd already run away from before. It just it never really gelled with me and I'm, the game seems competently put together you know I didn't I found no no game breaking issues with it in the slightest it you know it seemed to do everything it Bethesda wanted it to do when they released it and everything that Mikami wanted it to do when he made it it just for me no no it just didn't didn't do anything for me at all a massive massive steaming bag of poo <laughs> And I know I'm going to take a lot of shit for that because I know, you know, the guy himself and the game are much beloved. I just, and I do love him. I think he's a great game designer, a great game director. He's just, he missed it here. And I'd be yeah. willing to give it another go if someone decided to make an Evil Within 2. I just don't think it's going to happen. A bit of more it... maybe, with, with it, do you think? Uh, or do you think it was literally just that it's, I think it's he had dated a lot of ideas. in the world? No, I think he had a lot of ideas that just didn't quite meld together. Uh, survival horror, as long as you keep it up to date with how you know the rest of the world is, it doesn't really date. I mean, you play some of the older Resident Evil games, and apart from the fact that they look a bit ropey, you know, they still play and scare as well as they did the day you played them. This one just didn't feel like a horror game. It, it felt like a, an action game that was missing the action uh, and decided to just put some big scary monsters in instead that didn't really scare me. Like I say, I know I'm in the minority, but that's my uh, that's my crap game. Let's end on a positive. Final good game. Well, Go second then. good game. I'm going for The Evil Within. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm going to hang up this call and come back when you finish talking. <laughs> No, I'm going for. I was. I, I. You know what? I actually had two more good games coming, and I actually just flipped a coin for them right now to make the decision. Okay. And I've gone with Resident Evil Four. See, that was very close to being my crap game. Yeah, I can. I understand why. Because again, same reason. It's it's a nostalgia thing. I think mostly for this one because it's the first action game in the series. I mean, the other they're still action horror games because it's still it's a group of zombies you shoot all of them rather than it's a group of zombies shit hide. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's the first of the over the shoulder third person shooters instead of the fixed cameras, if yeah. I'm right, I believe. Yeah. But you've still got the whole you're aiming with a laser sight as opposed to a crosshair which yeah. it's amusing to say the least especially when you include range to the game which yeah. fair play to the game it does quite well with the the pretty large scale map that it has especially in the earlier stages when you're around the cemetery it's yeah. the, the later stages when you're inside the, the castle you're in the middle of the cave system towards the end and yeah. on what looked like an oil rig for some reason. Okay. Like an island, maybe. Yeah. But it's you play as Leon from Resident Evil 2, from those of you who played all of the Resident Evil games in time, like <laughs> most people apparently have, because they're the, the staple to the action zombie game. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're Leon Kennedy with a swanky new haircut and a leather jacket for some reason instead of a police uniform because you're now spec ops for the president and you're tasked with saving his daughter, the the very, very irritating Ashley, 
and you're she you're trying to rescue her from the the not zombie not Spanish people in Spain. Although yeah. the only real mention of Spain is that they're speaking with, a sp- with the Spanish and that they have that one map of Spain in one of the cutscenes. So despite, despite the fact that the, the all of the maps look like a rural part of Virginia or another state like that where they've <laughs> got fucking trees everywhere. Yeah. It, it's a fun game. And again, it's probably the nostalgia talking and the fact that it's been remade and re-released on pretty much every platform since its first release on the GameCube. I mean, we've had, what, PlayStation release, Wii release. Uh, It's probably going to get a remaster along with the rest of the Resident Evil games that have had remasters come out recently, just in time for Um, 7 coming out. Did it come out on PS4 already? Or was it on PS3 it got re-released on? I don't know, to be honest. I don't only just got hold of the PS4. If it's got a PS4 release, I probably will play it again, just because it's a shitload of fun. Yeah. Just thinking back about it, and I played Resident Evil Five recently, and it still holds quite well compared to what it was back when I played it first time round. So I will probably play Four again, same as I'll probably play Six again because I like the Resident Evil games; they're a lot of fun. Notice that, despite mentioning Ashley, I did previously avoid talking about her too in depth because she'd rather spend time shouting and calling you a pervert for looking up her skirt when all you're doing is standing under a ladder trying to get her to jump down off of the ladder because there's a big group of fucking nuts zombies following her yeah <laughs> fair enough stupid fucking bitch <laughs> out of interest what was the the other one that you had to flip a coin for Telltale's Walking Dead season one okay Ooh. yeah go on in uh, Mr. Black uh, okay mine's a an old school again 90s classic Silent Hill um, oh, 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 oh. The original Silent first Hill. Silent Hill, you know, much like I would yeah. say, the, it was a tussle between this and the original first Resident Evil, although or Resident Evil Two, mainly for that fucking dog jumping through the window, that zombie dog, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but I thought that's a bit obvious, so let's go with Silent Hill, uh, which was just an example of the kind of horror I like. I mean, the film was crap when they did it, and they didn't do that right at all. But the kind of horror that I enjoy watching on movies and I enjoy playing is this things in the yeah. shadows a completely haunted desolate environment and obviously the idea is that the, the lead character harry is searching for his daughter in this fictional town silent hill which is deserted there's like fog everywhere you can't see anything and he has to basically fight monsters but it's one of those yeah. games that's just con- it just fills you with dread all the way through you just are constantly thinking shit something's gonna something's gonna come out something's gonna happen something's gonna ha-. and it it does it so well and just keeps you on edge for the whole thing and yeah it's just great it, it, i really really oh, enjoyed yeah. that he scared me the shit out of me oh yeah silent silent hill yeah i, I crapped a load playing, <laughs> playing silent hill it's interesting I, I, I don't know if you know this the thing with silent hill what it does very well and one of the best bits about silent hill is that fog yeah the fog does everywhere and it scares the living shit out of you no matter where you go that fog is just eerie but do you know why that fog's there mm-hmm. it's to mask the uh the inability of the machine you're playing on to draw stuff too far away <laughs> really i didn't know that I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. that makes a lot of sense yeah the draw distance so, wasn't great back then well no it wasn't you know it's, it's uh it, it's the tech at the time couldn't do it but the fog's there and everything that you you encounter is drawn behind that fog. You can't see it being drawn as you move forward, like you would playing GTA or something. When you drive forwards really fast, you see the environment being drawn as you go. This would counteract that by having the fog right in front of you. Obviously, more work goes into it after that. You get your eerie music and your your atmosphere and all that lot. But originally, the fog was put there to uh, to stop you being able to see the world being built as you moved around. 
Well, I didn't know that. My little, wow. that ma- my little fun fact for the day. Yeah, that does make sense. That does make sense. It, <laughs> it, but it works to the effect, you know. It's one of those happy things that was done as a consequence of not quite having the technology right, but it just works yeah. for the you know the game and, oh, and everything. Absolutely. It, it works to treat, and it is one of the scariest games around. Yeah. Silent Hill still, yeah, just the thought of Silent Hill gives me the shivers yeah. I have to admit creeps me out as yeah well. it did. It went a bit batshit crazy the recent couple of games but Silent Hill it stayed good for a couple of games I you know I really enjoyed it actually it was a good shout cheers yeah it's, uh, it's a good one so my last one's pretty tenuous I suppose I will say that I did have to flip a coin for this one as well and the one that lost was Resident Evil 2 mainly because I loved that it was bigger than one and Billy Birkin was a bastard <laughs> but my winning one has to be Dead Rising 3. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dead Rising 3 and ish Dead Rising as a franchise, while not particularly scary, they're, you know, they're this just masses and masses and masses of zombies. They are the most fun I think I've had with the game, at least in this generation of consoles. And what's that? This generation has been going two, three years now. This generation of consoles has been absolutely amazing, but Dead Rising 3, hands down, one of my favourite games. Just the insane shit you do in the game, the the ridiculous fucking story, the batshit crazy customization of vehicles and weapons and things. You know, take you combine a motorbike and a, a steamroller and you've got this flaming <laughs> fucking truck thing that annihilates everything in front of it. It's just out and out batshit mental absolutely cannot beat it absolutely can't I had so much fun with it and my my pre-orders in I've booked extra time off of work I've actually added holiday to my holiday in November so that I'm off work for a couple of days when Dead Rising 4 comes out I am gonna play the shit out of that I cannot fucking wait so we uh we asked on the social medias when uh what I actually asked really early and should have asked today but I didn't I was a retard and I asked hey look let's not put retard I did ask you know true they're much, much better than I am. <laughs> so yeah, we asked our, our followers in uh, in various guises what their favourite horror games were. We uh, we we only got a few responses, but we got a few good ones. Do you uh do you want to take the Twitter one? Yeah, I'm just John? scrolling through our feed all the way back in time to when people are actually you know responding to you. You know, like five <laughs> days ago when you asked. It was only yesterday. Okay, we've got Paul at Pavstar who mentions ghosts and goblins. I, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I'm I assuming ghost- it was before I was born. I had- yes, <laughs> which makes me feel really old. But I had that on the NES. It was it's that older game. But it had that kind of Castlevania look about it. I used to like ghosts and goblins. But yeah, that's going back quite a bit. Paul is our, uh, our resident keep things up to date yes. guy. <laughs> Because I don't think he's ever played anything later than 1990. Um, uh, we've got this guy called John who mentioned Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare. Oh no, wait, that's me. Never mind. Undead Nightmare was alright yeah, and topical, considering we've been talking about Red Dead all night. Uh, and honorary mention to Jack, your stalker. Uh, <laughs> he says the Barbie games, which are nightmare fuel apparently. To go yeah. honest with it, Outlast. Outlast was I, good. Outlast is what Outlast is what Evil Within yeah, should have been. Never played it. So can't can't say anything about it. It was fucking terrifying. Uh, we got it free. Actually, it was one of those few games that appeared free on PlayStation Plus, like the day the game was released, and it was absolutely brilliant. But it was so fucking scary. Like there, I had to turn that thing off more than once and walk away from it. It was shitting me up. And finally, he's also because he's our PSVR expert, as he has one, or at the very least, yeah. he's getting one. Has one. I don't know. Are they out yet? Yeah. Yeah, he has one. Uh, Resi 7 VR demo. Yep. Well, the kitchen. He's played that. 
And he says it's okay. Yeah. And um, whatever the evil within, no, not the evil within, but the the place until dawn. Until dawn. Yeah, that's the one. The until dawn VR game. Something I blood. Fuck. Rush of blood. Yeah. Rush of blood. Yeah. Killer clowns one. Yeah. He said it was all right. I I really want to play it. And I've said this a couple of times. Horror will be the thing that makes me buy VR. Like for Rush of blood and uh, here they lie, which is made by the guy that made Spec Ops hmm. or the good Spec Ops. The line. He's a good guy, actually. He's, you know, I've talked to him a few times in the past, and he's, a, he's an interesting dude. We only got a couple for on the Facebooks. Facebooks are, so our, our good buddy Matt Lamborn, who is our retro expert, that actually confirmed that I wasn't going fucking mental last time we recorded, and I wasn't, in fact, dreaming the Game Genie-looking micro-machine thing. That was a licensing issue, wasn't it? But he said it was. He said uh, Resident Evil 3. He said, not the best in the series, but Nemesis was legitimately terrifying, which I will absolutely give him. Nemesis was pretty fucking scary. And just that kind of hoarding, you know, shuffling beast that wanted to do nothing but rip your arms off. Yeah, he was fucking scary. He's also Doom on PS1. He said the added lighting effects and CD soundtrack, including crying babies in the background, made it pant-shitting as a, as a young yeah, I never played Doom on PS1. Nothing's more scary than crying babies in a video game. Just crying babies in general. As, as long as it's not your baby. Or at the very least, it's no, true. not your baby and also not in your house while not being your baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jack also popped up on Facebook to say PT, which is the now you know, infamous... Does PT exist? New Silent Hills. Did, did PT Sorry? get released? Okay. No, PT was... What did it stand for? Wasn't it like playable tryout or something? That sounds ridiculous. But what it was, it was it was the demo for what was going to be Silent Hills, the new Silent Hill game that Kojima was making. I think I've got that right. I'm pretty sure it was Kojima that was making it with Norman Reedus uh, starring I in it. I thought I recognised the bloke from The Walking Dead. That one guy yeah. in The Walking Dead I could uh, point out in a crowd. Yeah, Konami being Konami of, you know, they cancelled it and they actually made this as if you had PT on your PlayStation, it would remove it, which is insane but I did play the PT demo and it was very scary it was very very Can't good you're a spiteful bunch Cunt, <laughs> cunts they always have been you know, you know they're making a fucking zombie survival Metal Gear Solid you know just literally just to piss off Hideo Kojima so, so, who is by all accounts a very nice man I met him a couple of years ago he's a very nice man makes sense uh, but yeah PT definitely gets an honourable mention it was pretty fucking scary uh, and then our great leader Mr. Owen Hughes said my wife says which is code for my wife doesn't say but I don't want to sound stupid by saying <laughs> it we'll use that one Mr. Hughes I'm on to you says Echo the Dolphin on the PS2 that- I think about that freaking great shark every so often there's something particularly scary about underwater games Mr. Hughes, I beg you to go and pick up... Oh, no, Mr. Hughes now has a PlayStation 4. You need to go and find Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Underwater horror. Now, there is a game that that we haven't mentioned at all today and really should get at least get an honourable mention as very, very scary. If not for the jump scares, which it doesn't have many of, just for its themes... It's a pretty terrifying fucking game. Now, I'm going to go out there and say Uh, that I'm the reason that you got that and played it in in the first place. Because it wasn't a game you you weren't going to play are. it, or at the very least, it was very low on your radar. And I said you need to play yeah. it. It's by far it it's it's the most interesting game that you can pick up for back back then. Yeah. And spotting that plot twist was yeah. But this is the thing. This what the genius of Bioshock was, and the the luck for me was the fact that I'd gone maybe four years without having the twist ruined for me, which I will not say because I'm almost certain Tony has not played Bioshock. 
Uh, you would be correct. Yeah, and I'm going <laughs> yes. to say, Tony, you need to go and play Bioshock. I will. Now, I just, will. just I, 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 I think you're a person who watches a lot of films and you spot, I'm assuming, plot twists a fucking mile away. Sometimes. Good, yeah, good luck yeah. with this one. <laughs> it, is, it is a good one, and it's, it's well worth... It takes you about 12 hours to get to the end, but it's 12 hours very well spent. It's very, very good. I'll, I'll do... And, you know, yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll do it if Owen plays Jaws Unleashed. <laughs> that, that's the bargain. There you go. If you're listening, Owen, Jaws Unleashed has to be done. <laughs> Fuck it. I want to play Jaws Unleashed. But I yeah. want to be the shark. <laughs> Can I be the shark you and then jump Trust another me. shark? Oh. No. <laughs> it's not nearly that fun. That's that's the problem. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was all our uh, all our contributions from people that follow us on those uh, newfangled social media sites so I think that leaves us only with uh, recommendations for, for listeners for the next couple of weeks do we have freebies to tell people I about do, gentlemen uh, Games with Gold on Xbox Live for only a couple of okay. more days after this will go to air The Escapists it's fucking Good, amazing it? and so I, I picked it up because I saw it was free and I was like yeah gotta give it a go it's like looking into it the fact that it's you're in a prison you can spend fucking hours and hours trying to work out the best possible way to escape, and then you just get bored and start beating the crap out of all the guards until eventually you can just walk out the front gate. Yeah, no, I I would recommend the escapist as well. I very much enjoyed that one. Tony, uh, in terms of free things, I would recommend something that I'm playing when when I get bored of No Man's Sky making me like be a proper realistic space explorer. I go and play Star Trek Online, which is free. And because uh, I'm a big Trek fan, I'm a big Star Trek fan, and it won't, this won't appeal to probably anyone who isn't a Star Trek fan, realistically. But if you are, <laughs> and or you like science fiction, play it because it's it's very easy. It's free. It's massive. There's loads to do. It's got some really cool missions. Yeah, you can you know you can level up. You can get better ships, better weapons, etc. You know, it's a standard game. It's nothing. Not going to reinvent the wheel. But it's a good. So your laugh. go-to game from so being I, a space I, I, explorer is to be another space explorer. It's a bit. <laughs> Yeah, but in this one, I get to shoot more people with weapons. Um, so I get to be a bit more violent in, you know, as, as violent as Star Trek can be. I'm not defending myself very well. <laughs> I just like games in space. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> be, be fair about this. I, I play games where I run around shooting people and killing people. And when I get bored, I play other games <laughs> where I run around shooting people and killing people. It's no different. Exactly, exactly. And this, you know, considering this is free... It's not bad, really. So God, I can't believe this is a podcast where I'm cool. the one who plays the most diverse games. I play fucking FIFA, <laughs> yeah. guys. Come on. Uh, and my my freebie for the next fortnight actually will be if I if I if I can be bothered and I get this edited in time. So it should be Tuesday, so beginning of November uh, for the Xbox 360 and subsequently backwards compatible for Xbox One on Games of Gold is Tales of Monkey Island. Or sorry, oh. The Secret of Monkey Island. Oh. Which, you're right. Sorry, I've, I've probably just come. I love those games. Everybody loves Monkey Island. <laughs> sorry, I just I just got really excited about that. Damn it, you took my recommendation for next get, yeah. next episode. Well, have you, have you seen the games for Ooh, Games I of have. Gold for this month? Dude, I tweeted Mate, about them. I'm, I mean, I'm I know you don't well tend to check what it is that the accountants tweeted, but seriously, I actually put up this month's games with gold. Well, next month's. The list is good, and actually, I'm quite excited about one of them because I will recommend the game, and I will I will defend that game to the fucking death as much as people hate it. 
But yeah, that's for another episode. But yeah, Secret of Monkey Island uh, for 360 and Xbox One goes free at the beginning of November. And that, gentlemen, I think is that. And it just leaves us to uh, do a bit of bit of pimping, Mister Mister Black. You and I have podcasted a lot together. Where can uh, where can people find you if they want to find you in the future? Well, I I do a uh, a specific podcast about the X Files, which is called the X Cast. Uh, which yeah, Brooker, you're on. Uh, you've just been on most recently, actually. Uh, our last episode, which was about Sleepless, um, and you're going to be back for a few more in, in se- as we go through season two. We're uh, season in, starting to take off. It's going, it's going pretty well. And so you can find us on iTunes at at the Xcast, and just uh, we're on Facebook, on Twitter, and yeah, if you're an X Files fan or a fan of any of that that universe, yeah, check us out. Cool, Mister Mister Miller. You can find me on Twitter at the John <laughs> underscore CU and on Xbox Live as Long Dong Silver. Cool, and I, as I've said before, I'm at Brooker four one one on Twitter. I'm Troublemaker four one one on PlayStation and Xbox. And if you can't find me anywhere else, you will almost certainly find me writing and or podcasting for our hosts, Failed Critics. Come find us on Facebook and on Twitter. We're at Character Unlock for both. And hopefully we're back in a couple of weeks where we basically go all search engine optimization and we talk about Call of Duty for a couple of hours because... Call of Duty is going to be out, and that's how you get all the big hits is by talking about Call of Duty. So, yeah, cod for us in a couple of weeks, I think. I'll have had it. On that awful dad joke note, thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we'll see you guys in a fortnight. Thank you again. Character Unlock was presented by Andrew Brooker and John Miller, with music provided with permission from Miracle of Sound from the track A Dog's Life. Character Unlock is recorded for Failed Critics and is a part of the Failed Media Network of Podcasts, along with Field and Mullinger's Underground Nights and the Failed Critics Film Podcast. And you can check us out at failedcritics.com or find us on Twitter at Character Unlock. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.